from the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. Welcome back to Superiority Complex. Very special episode today. Uh, and then there were three. I, I told the the I was saying on the on the on the chat, I feel like this is an Agatha Christie novel. Like people are just getting bumped off one by one, and then it's just gonna be me at the end. It's a podcast game show. Well, it's kind of like, yeah, we keep we keep losing. Well, I Patrick t- texted this morning said he wasn't gonna be able to make it. I assumed he was going to Disneyland with Justine. Uh and then Anita texts you couldn't make it this week. And then John, of course, is out for a few episodes. So today it's uh, Kalei and uh, Jake. But it's, I feel like it's going to be a good show. I feel like you guys yes, are really going to bring the noise, bring the funk. Always, re- mm-hmm. always ready to bring the noise. Yeah, bring the pentatonic, and then we're going to bring the funk, and then we're going to – yeah, it's going to be a good show. No, uh, I can actually bring the noise because there's only three of us. It's uh, perfect. Uh, well, we're going to focus on on Kalei today, the newest member of our cast. Um <laughs> Hi, hi. How are you? Um, I'm good. You know, it's been a very fun week. I got the Hoover furniture and carpet cleaner, which is the most fun I've had as an adult in my apartment ever. Just cleaning my furniture, steaming my carpets. It's been a blast. You know, you hit a new level when like cleaning products, household stuff gets you excited. I remember when I bought a, a Dyson, a refurbished Dyson. Vacuum Ooh, those are nice. from uh, from Woot.com. I think it was like a $500 vacuum. I got it for like 150 bucks or something. And it was when we had pet, we, we, we had Ricky, the dog, Ricky, the wonder dog was still alive. God rest his soul. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I was, that thing was awesome. That thing just picked up everything. And I, I was so excited to do the, um, do the vacuuming. So I'm, I'm yes. happy, happy vacuuming to you. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. I actually have a shark vacuum, green duct tape on it. I got it used. Nice. The first like three people who came over after I got it, I was like, do you guys want to see my vacuum? It's a shark. Come look at my vacuum. <laughs> I, I got my mom the robotic shark and uh, she loves it. She loves that thing. Is that the one that goes around on its own? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little it's like a Roomba. Yeah, she got, a, she got a, a household. She got a hardwood floors when she remodeled. And so every time I go over, it has an app. You just hit the app and it you, it runs. It just goes on. But it's great. I could do it right now and scare my mom, but I won't do it. <laughs> She's 88 years old. I could send it. To program them to do it what was has that? This has this happened in the past? No, 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 no. I would never do it. But yeah, I could run it remote. Like if you want to just run it while you're at work. The thing is, it, yeah. it has a tendency to get stuck on things. So you have to be careful. I wonder if... I could rely on my cats to unstick it. You think they just go over and you could probably, oh, they could probably ride it. I've seen videos of people riding. Of not people, like a cats, dangly cats little riding. toy on the top of it. So they're always swatting at it. So yeah. They can just smack it. Well, they had a battery operated toy that moved around like the little vacuums, but it would like pop out little toys and they loved it. So I feel like if they had that vacuum come into their space, they'd be like, we know what to do. Right. Get toys out of it. <laughs> <laughs> keep it moving uh, so Jake uh, you know you and Jake are you and Jake are, are, are pals and 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 me and we, we've we've known you for a little bit on the show but uh, this is going to be really Jake and I are really going to compete to see who knows you best 
Kalei. So we're going to play a little game called Choose One. I'm going to give you uh, two options, and you just, in your head, you lock it in. Don't tell us. And then Jake and I will uh, will guess, and okay. then we'll see who is right. All right, here we go. Ready? You ready, Jake? I'm scared. I'm scared. Me too, bro. Me too. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to mix these up here. All right. We'll, 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 do, we'll do a few of them. All right, here we go. Yahtzee or Scrabble? Yahtzee or Scrabble? Uh, Jake and I, of course, don't play any of these because we're board game snobs. But um, Of course. I've been known to get down with the little Yahtzee, though. I do like Yahtzee. Have you ever played Quicks? Quicks? What's yeah. Quicks? Q-W-I-X-X. No, that's Quirkle. Quirkle. I played Quirkle. Quicks is one where you you roll dice. Everybody gets a different, uh, everybody has a, a set of cards. There's four different colored dice, red, green, blue, and yellow, I think. And mm-hmm. um, every time somebody rolls something, every time you roll something, you have the choice of taking one or two numbers. Everybody else, has ta- everybody else has to take one of the numbers. And you just have to X off so many numbers. So if you have a green six, you got to block off you go. You got to block off a six, but you can choose. Oh, I'm sorry, I messed it up. The person who rolls it can assign it to any color. The person who is who didn't roll has to assign it to whatever color came up. And you have to mark off as many of the slots as you can from one to twelve, right? Mm. So if you start marking off stuff too early, then you only have so many spaces, and it's and it's who can ever fill up the most of their card. It's really fun, really easy. But if you like nice. Yahtzee, it's like a nice. Yahtzee variant. So I don't know. What do you think, uh, Jake? I feel like she's going to say Scrabble. I feel like Calais is someone who is confident with her own intellect and uh, doesn't mind letting you know uh, she knows the big words. Words she knows how to use them. That's where my that's where my head's at. But I feel about my my gut wants to say um, my gut wants to say Yahtzee. So I'm going to say Yahtzee. All right, I'll say Scrabble. What do you say, Calais? Scrabble. <laughs> I love Scrabble, and I've definitely played Yahtzee before, but I don't remember it. Oh wow, mm. that's not that's not the good. You know, we, we would talk about this on our board game podcast. That is not the the hallmark of a good game. You don't remember yeah. it. All right. I love Scrabble though. I don't get to play that much anymore. It's like people play once or twice, and suddenly they don't want to play Scrabble with me anymore. Uh, do you ever play Words with Friends? No, what's words with friends? It's an app. It's a Scrabble app. It's basically the Scrabble app. If you ever download it, let me know and I'll let you beat me. Uh, senseless. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Uh, my friend, uh, my good friend, there's two friends I have. Chris Chris Graham. Shout out to Chris Graham. He's been a listener since day one. He's been on the show before. Uh, a wonderful filmmaker. Uh, he defeats me regularly and he's humble about it, which pisses me off even more. Like he'll... He'll just, you know, he'll pull out like some word at the last minute. He'll go, bro, you had me the whole time. And then at the end, I just pulled it out. It was a miracle. And I'm like, you know what? Don't make me feel better because you're you're just making me, you're just making it. And uh, my friend, uh, shout out to my friend Hiddish, who uh, he just beats me up regularly. So, yeah. Uh, All right. Rubik's Cube. I don't know why these are all game related. Rubik's Cube or Jigsaw Puzzle? Rubik's Cube or Jigsaw Puzzle? Uh, I'm going with, I'm going to go with Jigsaw Puzzle. I'm going to say the same thing. I feel like she's a puzzle guy. Mm-hmm. Kalei? I love puzzles. 
But so much. Jake's so- no, no, no. Jake's puzzles is correct. No, but mm-hmm. okay. It's a great. Okay, well then, uh, Jake. That's one on the point. That's one on the board for yeah. Jake. Rubik's Rubik's Cube. I feel like kind of takes like a like a certain type of person. I agree. I remember in high school, my cousins were obsessed with figuring out the Rubik's Cube, and I would like wake up and sleep on the couch, and like they would be on the family computer watching videos mm-hmm. of how to solve a Rubik's Cube. Learning the algorithms. Like, yes. yeah. And they're like, if you turn this one seven times, it ends up here, which means that if you turn this one at least six, and I'm like, great. When I, I was uh, in mind, I was a kid when I was a kid when Rubik's Cube broke out, and uh, we were obsessed. We everybody in school, everybody had one. Everybody was trying to do it. We were trying to people were trying to do it as fast as they could. Uh, I actually had a knockoff version. I think it was like the Sears or Kmart version. And I just popped it apart and put it back together. And uh, that's how I did it. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I'm not learning this. I'm just going to fix it. <laughs> I was, it was the Kobayashi Maru, man. I programmed the computer to, not to lose. Uh, opera or ballet? Opera or ballet? Oh, Ooh, that's a tough one. That that's a, a toughie. That's I, a toughie. It is. But knowing Kalei and her. her her love of performance. I'm gonna, well, mm-hmm. but they're both performance. They're both performances. That's the problem. I want to say um, ballet because I feel like you get in opera. You don't necessarily get the dancing, but in ballet, you get you still get the music with ballet. Plus, you get the dance. I feel like mm-hmm. you get the. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna say opera. I'll say ballet, but I'm really, I'm really second guessing myself here. Opera is very dramatic and like, oh, like Calais, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's borderline like, uh, like telenovela, like levels of drama, like Calais. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you say, Calais? Um. Okay. All right, you guys, it's gonna be ballet. I do love opera. I was never an opera singer, but I always really wanted to be. Like, I got cast as the opera singing wardrobe, Madame de la Grande Bouche, in Beauty and the Beast. Wow. And then when I got hired at Macaroni Girl, I was actually hired as an opera singer. They had me sing in my interview, and they said, how about instead you come sing for us? So that's how I originally started in the restaurant industry. Um, But my sister's a ballerina. I've been obsessed with the Nutcracker since I was a kid. And I think that ballet is a really great foundational piece to address all of the body dysmorphia in the performing arts in general. Wow. I love that you're never afraid to take take it a little deeper. You know, you just make a right turn and there you are. I like that. Here we go. Roller coaster or Ferris wheel? Roller coaster or Ferris wheel? I can't wait to see what you guys think. I think, you know, I feel like it's roller coaster because that really... Mm-hmm. Uh, every conversation with you is like a roller coaster, Calais. Every, it's, it's, you know what I mean? You never know where it's going to go. There's a twisty, a turny, maybe a loop, maybe a loop in there. <laughs> I'm going to go with roller coaster. I'm going to go with roller coaster. What do you say, Jake? Six flags. Six flags. Roller coaster. You get a coaster? Okay. I love roller coasters so much that when I'm at the movie theater and they play the movie theater coaster thing, I make everyone I'm with put their hands up. Yeah, the little regal thing where you're going through and the thing pops. Mm -hmm. So you said both of us said coaster. That's a point Mm -hmm. for each. 
I usually do. I usually do like I'm rumbling in my seat when it's going. Here we here's here's one. Fantasy or sci-fi? Fantasy or sci-fi? Fantasy. Done. Yeah, I feel like fantasy. I feel like yeah. I feel like she's a fantasy nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. Five three. All right. Uh, that didn't even need explanation. That just was yeah. Like, yeah no, it's. <laughs> Uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I was just going to say, like, I say I live in a fairy house and I wear like a lot of florals. Like, I think just in general, I emit fantasy. Right. I feel like you're a fantasy character. You have been known to rock a Star Wars shirt from time to time, though. So at the same time, you know. Absolutely. This is true. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody loves Star Wars, but Star, Star Wars is Star much is more fantasy of sci-fi. It is because you got the force, you've got the lights. Mm-hmm. It's very, it feels very fantasy, but it's got mm-hmm. sci-fi elements. But it's definitely there's there's elements of fantasy in there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, party or concert? Party or concert? I f- I'm going to say Ooh. concert just because I feel like Calais enjoys other people um, expressing themselves. Like you know, I think she just enjoys you know, concerts because someone she's enjoying someone else's art artistry. But she does like to throw parties. I she do love to throw all parties. kinds of parties. So I throw I'm a lot of say party. Okay. You're going to say party. I'll say concert. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. We're going to talk it out. I feel like this isn't, uh, I do. I love to throw a party. Um, event planning was one of my first loves. And, but a concert, you are enjoying someone else's art. And there's this piece of like, you're never going to be in such a big space with all those people again. And the artists, I, at least the people who I choose to go see in concert tend to make it this very big experience of let's all take a second in between these songs and take a deep breath. And this is what this song meant to me. Right. Thank you for letting it mean something to you. Like a Taylor Swift show. Like you like know, a Taylor Swift show. Right. I didn't get tickets. I'm um, sorry, my friend. It's okay. You know what? We're gonna go, we're gonna go concert. Dang. I it's like we're best friends. <laughs> it's besties. <laughs> it's like we're best friends. All right. Uh let's see. Uh there's a bunch that are game related that we we've already kind of gone over this. So I'm I'm kind of skipping. I usually wouldn't do that, but uh uh let's skip. Uh you did that one already. Um, no, that's a that's a game. Another game. It's so weird. Uh, all right, we'll make this the last one. Um, oh, party or after party? Party or after party? Where can oh, she? Where can she deploy her vape? Is that going to be at the party or the after? party? <laughs> can this not be what's up oh man I, I was gonna say can this not be my new reputation like always no like- I'm just kidding <laughs> I just like threw it out there because I I walked in at a weird part of the conversation when I when we, when I, when we logged on uh no yeah <clears throat> alright what do we think you guys am I am I there for the main event or am I there to see what happens next? I feel like if you throw the party, obviously that's going to be your party. You're going to, you'll, you'll, mm-hmm. you, but I feel like you're, I'll tell you what though, Kalei, when I first met you, it was kind of an after party situation and you acclimated yourself very well. You were very stylish. You dressed up as if it was the main event. 
Uh, I'm gonna say you're kind of an after party person because you can kind of make a like make an entrance at an after party, even if it's after your own party. I feel like I feel like you're an after party person. Uh, yeah, Jake, what you do you get say? Some real good, com- you know, you can get some real nice conversation once the party's died down. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say if it's not your party, then it's an after party. I love an after party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love an after party. Uh-huh. No, there's an after party, and I won't go to the main party. Ah, uh, that is the uh, that's the end. So, congratulations! I am your new best friend. I beat yep. Jake seven to four. <laughs> Uh, we're cordially inviting Jake to suck it. Uh, <laughs> I apologize, Jake, but uh, yeah, my logic was sound. It was. It was. It was. Some of those were. Some of those were very close. Educationally <laughs> based. Some of those were very close. Some of those were very close. It's, uh, that's uh, that's a game called Choose One. Uh, we used to play that uh, at, at game night sometimes. Um, it's fun. Um, you can do your own cards on there too. Oh, they have they have uh, they have blank ones you can in, you yep, can insert yep, your yep, questions yep. in. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's very nice. fun. Right. That's great for like if you have like a group, right? Like, yeah, like a board game group, and you have someone new come in, maybe to get them to know a little bit, right? Break the ice a little, right. yeah. That's mm-hmm. why we did it on this podcast. Now the audience knows Kalei. They know she likes ballet. They know she likes a natural party. They know yeah. she likes to ride a roller coaster. Important question for both of you: What is your favorite roller coaster all time? Ooh. I'm gonna say X two at Six Flags. Nice, really? Yeah, I love X two. They got the fire. I feel like everyone says Goliath from Six Flags. Goliath is a good one. They're shooting fire at you at X two. It's intense. No, yeah, it's very intense. X and then you're in those like uh, spheres. It's fun. I think I love Silver Bullet at Knott's Berry Farm. I know that's not like the most roller coastery place ever, but the track, I love seeing the whole park. I love having my feet dangle. It's it reminds me of what Soren California felt like when I was in a much like smaller frame when I was like six years old flying on it. Listen, you picked the right park because my favorite, believe it or not, my favorite coaster is at Knott's Berry Farm too, and that's gonna be Ghost Rider. Ghost okay. Rider at Knott's. Ghost Rider's terrifying. I know. It feels like it could fall apart at any at any time. So if you're if you see it at night, lose a hand. yeah, sparks are flying off of it. Uh, <laughs> it seems a lot older than it is. It's not really that old of a roller coaster, but I love the feel of a wooden coaster. And if you sit in the back on that thing, it is just amazing. I love it. There's no loops, but for for uh, one with no loops, it is. I just love it. It, it feels like a, like a great coaster. It's it's a good one. Mm-hmm. It's a long time too. It feels like you're yeah, on it. For- right. It's a good ride. You probably get like four or five minutes worth of a uh, ride in there. So, but that going yeah, up that I hill, know, going up that hill, you're really rethinking your life choices when you're, when you're <laughs> heading up that slowly getting to the t- cresting that hill. And it takes longer to click each time. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Speaking of questioning your life choices, mm-hmm. uh, we're on a little bit of a tight schedule today. So we're going to do everything very quickly. Um, we're going to we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about a couple who may be questioning their life choices after they decided to take a trip from Massachusetts to uh California. And uh we're going to talk about this week's movie Break Dead. Did you not watch it, Kalei? No, I watched it. Are you, oh, I watched are it. Are you okay? Breakdown. <laughs> are you okay? I had a breakdown. Are you having a do you have opinions? I I mean Yeah, I have opinions. Uh, yeah, a few things where I was like interesting. 
Okay. Yeah. But but did you had a breakdown because it was nerve-wracking? Is that what was wrong? Yes, it was very nerve-wracking. From the minute the movie started, I was like Twilight Zone. Right. You uh it it it, it they do a good job of keeping you unsubtle. But let's have Jake uh read a little synopsis here and then we'll we'll guess a little number here, Kalei. So, Breakdown released May 2nd, 1997, directed by Jonathan Mosto, uh, with a budget of $36 million. What do we think it made? Uh, go ahead, uh, Kalei. It's your birthday. Okay. <laughs> it is my birthday. Uh-huh. We're telling everybody that. I love that. What do you think? I'm sticking with 85 million. Okay, 85 million. Uh, I'm going to say it broke 100. I'll say 100 million. With a total box office of 50.2 million dollars. Dang. What? Yep, on their country That's- drive, a married couple, Jeff and Amy Taylor, experienced car trouble after an accident. Stranded in the New Mexico desert, the two catch a break when a passing truck driver, Red, offers to drive Amy to a nearby cafe to call for help. Meanwhile, Jeff is able to fix the car and make his way back to the cafe, only to find his wife missing and bar claring, uh, claiming ignorance. Jeff then begins a frenzied search for Amy. Uh, you know, this is like, a, there's always like a... Uh, I have a soft spot in my heart for thrillers like this. You know, somebody disappears, you got to go find them, or you're just in a situation where, you know, I drove a lot growing up. Uh, my dad was a big believer in driving everywhere on vacation because, uh, A, we didn't have the money to fly, and B, that's the only way to see the country, son. Uh, so we literally drove everywhere every vacation every year. Um, and, you know, there are stretches of highway where you would just be out like, not see another car for miles and of course it crosses your mind what what would happen if i got stuck out here how would i serve could i survive what would, would another car come by how could i be able to trust these people there's all these questions across your mind right because mm-hmm. uh, in one one minute you're in air-conditioned comfort with uh, radio and uh, and your cell phone and all that stuff and then all of a sudden the last time we went on a trip my wife and i went out to the amboy crater uh we took the long way to vegas we went out to Amboy, which is a meteor uh, crater out off of old Route 66. And it's out in the middle of nowhere. And there's a there's a portion there's a point where you to get to Vegas, you have to go through this state nature reserve, and there's nothing out there, and you lose cell phone signal for like a good hour. And there's no other cars on the highway. You know, we're headed towards this and we're we're hoping we get to the highway, but there's no cell phone service. There's nothing out there. And uh, so, you know, I just realized I used to do this all the time with no cell phone. Why am I nervous now? Right. We lost GPS and everything. It's like I used to use Thomas Brothers guides. I know which way we're going. But for some reason, it just struck me. We've become so reliant on technology now that that thought can kind of terrify some people, especially if you've known no other way. I grew up with kind of knowing that way early on. Right. But, uh, yeah, of course, you think about these things. What if we break down? What if we get a flat tire? What if? You know, even with like murder mystery podcasts and, you know, all of these like Ted Bundy series, all this stuff popping up that you're like, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, isolated with no help anywhere. You always come to things like, oh, God, what if somebody comes out, comes out of the bushes and kidnaps us or, you know, it always crosses your mind. And it always reminds you of a Sherlock Holmes story where they're traveling to the country and Watson turns to Holmes and says, look at these charming country houses, Holmes. It's so beautiful here. And he says... 
these kind of places always fill me with dread because of the crimes which which could be committed with impunity out here. It's like, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> they, they said that in Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yeah, it's in a Sherlock Holmes story. Yeah, they're like in a train, and Watson looks out around the countryside and says, "Oh, look at these charming country homes." And Sherlock Holmes says, "No, they always fill me with dread because I think of." the impunity in which crime could be committed in such places. You know, it's like, wow, I never thought about that. So this kind of takes all that dread and kind of puts it into one, into one package for you. So neither of you had seen this, right? Had no. not seen this. So Kalei, since you said you had a breakdown, <laughs> let's, let's, let's start with you. Tell me about your, is everything okay? I mean, <clears throat> I'm fine. I live. I made it through. They found Amy. Right. But right up until even when he was like, you better open that freezer and hope she's alive in there. And the wife is like messing with the thing. And I'm like, just open that freezer. Right. Right. Um, It did a really good job with the music and the storyline. You know, I was very scared. And what you guys were kind of hitting on before of like, you know, watching this movie that was made in 97 compared to now there's the technological aspect of it right and then there's also the the media that we're consuming now that has to do with these types of stories goes back and highlights how much technology not being available harmed anything being solved um so i was definitely feeling all of those anxieties i absolutely hated the line from the trucker about the um brown curly hair on top of her head matching downstairs. Oh, yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. Hmm, yeah. it's not necessary, not a necessary comment. And her hair is not even curly. And it was 100% <laughs> one of those things that was just so they could put the pube joke in. Right, right, right. So, me and my wife and I were talking uh, about the context for certain things that we were talking about, specifically how uh, your generation reacts to things that we've watched on this show, like the few movies we've watched. And we were mm-hmm. talking in particular about, um, about because my wife and I will because I'll do the podcast and forget and then she'll listen to it and then she comes in with like thoughts and opinions and we end up discussing it so we were actually discussing it yesterday and we were talking about Tomorrow Never Dies and how she said um, she's like oh I really like that Kalei was able to um, take her own uh, you know um, take her own viewpoint about you know the massaging and stuff in the James Bond movies and kind of remove them and not long enough to enjoy the movie as it was meant to be enjoyed because you did mention that you liked it. And we talked about different things and how that's come up on the show before where stuff that we grew up with, you know, Jake, Patrick, uh, Justine will sometimes point stuff out. Like, didn't you guys know back then that this was a bad thing and it was, or this was bad. And it's like, yeah, of course we did. I mean, it's it's not that we didn't know um, or that we thought it was, you know, but it was just, we grew up in a time when that kind of stuff was just still happening. You know, like that we, we talked uh, specifically about the blackface part of, of um, uh, for uh, not 48 hours um, uh, trading places and how mm-hmm. I had completely forgotten. Sometimes you just completely forget that these things are in there because you're just like, you kind of either block it out because you don't want to think about it or other parts of the movie or stuff that you remember you know what I mean? You kind of want to forget those parts, right? So I, it's really funny to watch these movies now and hear those things and go, I wonder how it's going to play now, thirty almost 30 years later. And to me, 97 isn't that far away because I was a grown-up in 97, right? 
But in my own timeline, if I think from when I was a teenager or when I was close to your age, this movie would have been made in the late 50s or 60s, you know, relative to now, relative to when I was like that age, right? Like mm-hmm. if I was, if like in 97, this movie, if, 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 if the time this movie took place in 97, um, I would, the, the, it would be like if that context was in movies from like 1963, right? It would be like that much of a span, right? So yes. I forget how much time has passed between 97, because I mean, Kurt Russell's still around. Everybody in this movie is kind of still, you know, mm-hmm. still acting and still around. So you don't think like, oh, yeah, it's a Kurt Russell movie. He's still around. It's not like I'm watching a Cary Grant movie or a Kirk Douglas movie. So my point, th- 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 that was all of that to say, I, you know, I'm always interested to see how this stuff plays and how much less we see of it as we go on. And Jake will attest to that. But there's still a lot of it. There's still a lot. We're still a far cry from where we are even now. Even today, yeah, it's still present. Right. And I don't ever want to tear down a movie. If anything, I think that media is one of the best modalities for these conversations to happen. Because we're in this really great position of power reviewing these movies with so much time between them. Right. In that social contracts have already been negotiated. We're not renegotiating these social contracts presently as we're reviewing the movie. We're able to just sit by, enjoy them, and be able to say we recognize that that contract has been null and void for right. a while. Right. Exactly. That's a great way to put it because yeah, it's it's I think the temptation is to go back and correct for a lot of people. It's mm-hmm. go back and correct. But you can't. So what you do is you say it's just like whenever they watch, you know, you see an old Disney movie or an old Warner Brothers cartoon and they they say, "Hey, look, we didn't edit this because you know, th- there are racist stereotypes in here and this but uh, we're hoping that you can like this. You you see it in the context of the of the time that it was made, right? So you're mm-hmm. watching some World War II cartoon, Bugs Bunny's fighting the Japanese, and they're wearing the giant Coke bottle glasses, and they have the you know, and it's that whole thing. It's an ugly stereotype, but it opens conversation to it opens a conversation for you to say, "Well, I'm glad we've at least moved past this, right? Past this portion of the." And that's a great way to to really think about it. Absolutely. And those messages in the same way that trigger warnings communicate with an audience, I think that those statements that say we've like left it unedited, I also think that those are really important because in that way, when you're in the audience, it helps code the emotional reaction you have to seeing those things. And that if you're seeing something that is no longer considered appropriate and you're having this moment of, well, this shouldn't be in here and this needs to be fixed you get very caught up in that one instance. But if as a society, we're able to look at media having had made mistakes, and then we look at character choices moving forward in the timeline as correction, it's a lot more sustainable to be able to enjoy filmmakers, directors, right. actors. In this, well, what's happening now, especially now as we get into more, uh, you know, movies made within the last, you know, in, in this century, right. We're getting to the part where we're gonna be st- we'll soon start reviewing movies made in this century, which is weird to say. But, you know, you start to have more uh, actors, filmmakers, people on behind the scenes who are problematic, right? It's since come mm-hmm. out that they're, out, you know, they're problematic. And so you have to get to a point where you start to separate the art from the artist or, or you'll never enjoy anything. And that's always been true for musicians and, you know, and people who have, you know, there's people who have very dark pasts who've made some very beautiful art that uh, we still enjoy. And so you have to, at one point, be able to separate and say, 
I am not this, me liking what they've done does not condone mm-hmm. what they did outside of making this art. And you, and that's something that's very, I think everybody has to come to terms with that in their own way for an artist that they love. You know, I grew up the, I've told the story before the very first girl I ever asked to dance with me, I asked to dance to a Michael Jackson song. So now, you know, 40 years later, obviously Michael Jackson is a very different person than he was when in that moment. Right. And so you have to say when, you know, can I enjoy this? And that's a question that everybody has to come up with themselves. And there are people, there are bridges that can't be crossed and that's fine for everybody. There are bridges that can't be crossed for certain people. It, it hits too close to home or it's, 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 it's something they've done triggers something in them and that's okay. Um, but it's, it's unfortunate that that is a, that is a reality that we have, that we all have to do. Uh, and it's a piece we all have to make with our, with ourselves when we decide to. Um, so on a much smaller scale, in breakdown, you do get that line where you're, and as soon as I heard it, I was like, Oh, I forgot about that. That was in there. Well, it wasn't <laughs> even that it was a misogynistic line. I was just like, it doesn't make sense. Right. Like why didn't you fact, like it's in the script. So on film day, like unless they're handing them those sides, run a curler through her hair. <laughs> right. Like if the line is that important to you, I'd appreciate if you at least made it fluid to the storyline right. and it wasn't a plot hole. But wasn't it, wouldn't, but I feel like that is, I feel like you leave the line in because he's just that kind of guy and he's dumb and he, you know, he's trying to make a joke where there's no joke. You know what I mean? I mean yeah. It's like, I get why he did it. He was doing it to, tr- to like intimidate him or to try and scare him into complying but i just yeah it just kind of came off the right i I, didn't come off very well no i i feel like it's a i feel like it makes him more despicable Mm -hmm. so i think so i i totally agree it but its function could have been enhanced also even if he had been like oh and i wonder if downstairs matches or you right? say Instead you of- say it in another in a dumb way does the curtain match the, whatever you know you do those kind of lines right you know you sure you 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 sure. make them sound like a truck driver right you 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 kind of play into that character you make them sound like a truck driver and if you're gonna or a presidential candidate <laughs> Or a presidential <laughs> um, it just the line would have yeah, been fine. <laughs> I think it would have added to the to the scene the way they wanted to if it just made sense. They just needed right. to fix the, the the fluidity of like, is it that her hair is curly or is it that you're saying I wonder if downstairs? I love how much you are <laughs> for what is essentially just a bad line. It's, yeah, you know, it's a bad. Line. It's a bad line. Uh, I love that you really you're like I could I could have been there I could have given them options that's the thing like like wouldn't it be great we're all like hey what would you do if we had a time machine well I'd go back and I'd kill Hitler I'd do this all that <laughs> Kalei's like I no I would go back to the set of breakdown and I would curl Kathleen Quinlan's hair I would run a curler through ah <laughs> uh. Listen, right. if they're going to talk shit about your pew, if you can talk shit about your hair, at least make it make sense. All right. 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 Damn it. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. Continue from that point. That was a nice little diversion, but continue from that point after once that, <laughs> once you got over the horror of that bad line, how did it go? Once I got over the horror of that bad line, um, I think that the makeup department did a really good job. Like every shot with, um, I'm blanking on the husband's Kurt name. Russell. 
Kurt Russell. Uh, his character Jeff Taylor. Jeff Taylor. Jeff Taylor. Jeff. Yeah, his Mr. name was Taylor. Jeff. Um, he was sweaty with like the dirt, and he always just looked like he was like profusely sweating. Right. And I was like, okay, great job on that, Mark. You know. Um, they didn't make him. They didn't make him look Hollywood. He looked like he had been through the ringer. He looked like he had been through the ringer, and it was very sequentially his makeup followed and that like it's not just that he was wet and sweaty right like the dirt he has on his face is moving it's smearing and that just means post-production they're taking a look at the scenes they've shot and they're being intentional when they're shooting them as well which i really appreciate because i think in these kinds of movies things like the set and the storyline and then also the music get relied on very heavily and i think this film that's another thing this film did a great job with its music creating the suspenseful ambiance very nice, Kalei. Uh Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you um, did you enjoy the fact? Uh, you know, it, it's kind of cool. I do like the scene that, um, almost like in a horror movie, they look down and he's still moving, and his wife gets to be the one that to put the the coup de gras on him. I do love that that she does get a little bit of, because that's the one thing that was that I that I didn't like was that, you know, she, she gets out, she helps obviously, but she doesn't really get a moment to like have her revenge. Right. You want her to be like, right. yeah, give her that moment of revenge. Cause she's been through all this stuff and you you think it's going to happen without you like, Oh, he, he, she doesn't, she gets robbed of it. And then all of a sudden you're like, Nope, she gets to do the best thing in the whole movie. <laughs> well, I felt like it was foreshadowed because nothing was happening. And I was like, okay, like we're, we're getting down to the minute. Right. So I I felt like I knew it was coming, but how much of that was just me really wanting that for her? Right, right. I wanted her to have that moment. I wanted her to be yeah. like, she, you know, she gets to be off screen for most of the movie and, you know, get put in a freezer and do all this and all this awful stuff happen to her. So you just, you know, you want her to have that moment. And then she's the one that gets pinned in the truck. Don't do that oh. to her. Yeah. Yes. I would actually like to know, Amy, the character, she's not in the film that much, but she did such a good job in the first scene. Like, I felt like her essence really carried through. Yeah, Kathleen Quinlan is a great actress. She does not get a lot of credit. She does a lot of character work. Mm-hmm. Um, um, she's always good in everything she turns up in. I don't, I think she's, I think she was doing a series, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, but uh, it yeah. It does sound very typical of character work, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, she, let's see. Very Dude. genuine, yeah. She it felt they felt like they were married, and it felt like a real genuine marriage. Yes, yeah, she, she was also in Apollo thirteen, Event Horizon. She's done a lot of work. Uh, she was oh, in the Doors. Really? Yeah, we we saw her, and she's been with us before in um, American Graffiti and um, Twilight Zone the movie. Um, she was the we watched. We did watch Twilight Zone the movie, right? Yeah. Um. Wait, was she in Twilight Zone the movie? Let's find out. Maybe she was. She was. She was Peg in American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. Um, she was in Chicago Fire TV series. She I think that's the one. I think that's the one I'm thinking of. I thought she was in. Maybe um, she wasn't. Anyway, we've seen her before. Uh, but shout out to uh, Kathleen Quinlan, always doing. She's it. in Hanky Panky Independence Day. She was Helen Foley. In yes, the, it's a, it's a good life segment. That's right. She was. She was the teacher that meets the kid. That was. It was a real good thing. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was the teacher. All right. I'm sorry, Jake. Break down. Break it down. Break, break it down. Break it down. Break down. Um, it reminded me a lot of Duel. 
A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. At yeah. least with like with the tension, especially that, especially the scene when they first break down and you have the big, uh, you have the big eighteen wheeler coming back from behind them. Right. Definitely gave me like a. It was like a nod to Duel. Right. Um, and also the heat. Oh, it was like this movie was hot. Right. <laughs> it was a. It was a hot, sweaty movie. Right. And not in not. I mean, in I guess I don't know. Not in a good way. In a good not in way, a fun way, like that, but not in a good way, not in a fun way. Right. You no, know, there's some movies we talked about this when we when we watched Do the Right Thing. They did a really good job mm-hmm. of making it seem like it was hot. Like the people, it like some movies convey that can convey weather very well, and the way they, and the way this movie shot. You know the way they. You know there's you always see like the heat rising up, and like you said, Calais, uh Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell's always sweaty and dirty. So yeah. it's very, uh, very. He looked like he was right out of a spaghetti western. Almost. That's how sweaty he was. It just looked dry. Right. Jake, were you nervous? I was nervous the whole movie. (laughs) (laughs) The whole movie. The second I see that 18-wheeler roll up and then the guy that he cut off um, was like sitting down the road waiting for something to happen. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Someone's getting getting shot. Someone's getting kidnapped. This is... I'm already stressing. Uh, people kind of forget this. This movie kind of f- flies under the radar for a lot of people. I think people forget, especially when you're talking about movies about with Kirk Douglas or Kirk Douglas, uh, Kurt Russell. Um, it's a really suspenseful movie, and I think it goes back to what we were talking about. It's such a realistic premise. You know, you're tri- we've all driven, we've all driven far, we've all done it, and so yeah, we've all had those thoughts. So it starts out with a pretty realistic premise, you know, and uh, it could happen to anybody. And you're at the mercy of the elements and anybody who happens along. So I and think he goes into the he goes into the police station to make a statement, and there's just that wall of missing persons posts. Right. And you're like, oh shit, this happens all the fucking time. Right. Oh my god, this is yeah. It was super stressful all the way up until um he gets Amy out of the out of the out of the cooler. How much did you want to slap that kid when he pulls out the gun on him? You're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <just> like <laughs> you're like, uh, <laughs> I, go ahead, Kalei. No, I was, we- just gonna, I was just going to say when he came out with the gun and then the mom said, do it. Yeah. Like that got me. Right. Because it's like the dad was, he's like, my dad taught me so I could protect mommy and all that stuff. And the dad's like, yeah, do it. But once the mom was like, do it, I was like, the whole place is about to go up in flames. Right. Well, the mom didn't have any idea, right? You know, and yet the she, mom didn't know that they were, that he, yeah, that he had kidnapped someone. She thought, in a, she thought. In a secret compartment in their basement. Yeah. Whole nother layer of fear. Right. It's a whole nother layer of fear. Right. Yeah. It's like you read, yeah, you think you know a guy. You think you know a guy. Uh, yeah, I love when she gets her out and then Kathleen Quinn's like, don't touch me. Like, get the hell away from me. When the when the wife was trying to yeah. help her in that moment when she was. And, and it's unfortunately at that, it's unfortunate that part of the movie got shortchanged because you really don't get to see, aside from a quick flash of horror, what, you know, when she, when she's like, what's all, what's this, what's, what's this all about, you know? And uh, that horror that has to un, 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 
Ravel when she realizes that her husband has been doing this terrible stuff for God knows how long, you know? Yeah. Uh, the fact that he had a secret compartment in a basement with, a, with like a freezer? With a freezer. Big enough to and hold the person. The stuff? Right. Sorry, no. Yeah, all the stuff they had stolen. And the license plates in the barn? Right. It's also one of those things where we weren't given enough of the storyline to really fully like emerge into this, but how much did she not know versus how much was she just choosing not to see? Right. And then the idea that it's a, it's a, it's a whole confederacy, right. Of people doing it. They've got like three or four people and like, Hey, and then you had it down. Hey, I'll meet you at the barn. We'll be here. We'll go here. And they, they knew what they were doing. The guy that had to go, that he dropped the money off to, obviously that wasn't the first time he had done that, you know? Uh, so yeah, like the hills have eyes kind of situation. Right, it's like a, on too. This is that's a, they're. I mean, I wouldn't. They're they're similar in that it's like they're stranded out in the middle of nowhere, and there's this like community of people who are out to just you know take what they need or take what they want from people. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, let's let's rank it. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it a seven. You like okay, seven's good. That, I like, yeah, I liked this movie. I mean, yeah, I, there, there was a lot of audience involvement built into it, where you're watching these characters make choices that, like, we've been told, like, don't go with strangers, right? You know, um, so it felt like, right off the bat. I felt very invested, and like, I like had a very strong connection to Amy. I just wanted her to be okay. Right. You do. You, you know, and it's, that's the thing. They're a likable couple. Um, yeah. a, a lot of times in these movies, they try to give some, some kind of um, like, you know, the, 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 Oh, we're about to get a divorce or something like that. They kind of give you something else to kind of chew on. And this one, they're just a dirt, a couple that obviously enjoys each other's company. They like, they love each other. And, you know, obviously he's going to do whatever it takes to get her back. Um, you have no doubt about it that, you know, he's not the most capable because he's out of his element, but he's tenacious and he's not mm-hmm. going to give up, you know, which I also think added to the enjoyment of the movie. Like you're watching it's, it's kind of an underdog, right? Cause Kurt Russell is, I mean, in movies, there's movies where he's played absolute badasses. And in this one, he's more like a guy out of his element, right? He's just, you know, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the scene where he's hanging underneath the, I was just thinking of that underneath, underneath <laughs> the truck and he drops the gun or like, oh, <laughs> no. come on, man, come on, man. Do something. Come on to that shit. I thought the kid was going to rat him out when I first saw the movie, the kid in the passing mm-hmm. car, I thought they were going to start honking and tell him, Hey, there's a guy under there. You know, that would have been uh, terrible. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jake it was creepy when he was <laughs> you just staring at oh. up against wide. I like right. The on? kid was almost like, "Help me!" Maybe the kid was being kidnapped. Yeah, he, he was like, "We needed more help." <laughs> <And he did. laughs> the whole town is professional kidnapped. Yeah, they all just kidnap yeah. each other. It's like a round robin. Um, they just hold each other for ransom. Yeah. Um, how much? Yeah, that scene with the license plate is—it's like—and he's almost like a serial killer because he's keeping trophies. You know, yeah. he's keeping trophies of stuff. You know, like obviously they're trying to sell the—they're probably selling the stuff that they get out of there. Um, well, aren't they also probably killing these people? Like, I got the. Oh yeah, for like, sure. Oh yeah, 100%. I was like, no one's living. No, they're—they're—they're oh. they're, they're, because he says he says, well, why didn't you just kill him? He says because he didn't want to get in the truck. 
he said, he, so they were going to kill him first. They were going to kill, you know, he, the, the truck driver says, you know, he screwed it up because he didn't want to come back when they would, they were just, he was just going to whack him. So I don't know if he and should. They were, right. They were talking about killing Amy too. When they first pulled her out of like that compartment, right. pulled her out of the truck and she was in the bag. Yeah. Then, oh, well, oh, well, looks like she suffocated. Oh, well, that saves us the trouble. Yeah. Oh man, that scene where you think she's dead is just about, and he's watching and he's watching the whole time. Yeah, you could just see he's gonna go down there with a bat and try to just avenge her immediately. Probably not the best plan, but uh, yeah. What did you say, say Jake? I give this a seven and a half. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was solid. Yeah. Almost wanted to give it an eight, but I don't know something about it. I'm like, mm, I don't know if it it's that line. It's that line about the carpet matching the drape. It's just not. Uh, that's not. Mm-mm. That killed it for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> that w- it was a ten till I heard that line. Now it's a seven. No, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna give breakdown. It's a solid seven for me. It's good. It's good. It's a really good thriller. Um, you know, uh, and again, it's a very quick movie too. They don't. There's not a lot of fat. See, got ninety minutes. Yeah, it was a great movie. Ninety minutes <laughs> is just like the perfect time. Like an action movie or comedy, unless you got real good reason or you have like a real sweet backstory or something to really, to really hit it home. But see, if you don't need the backstory, ninety minutes is perfect. Ninety minutes. All right. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're gonna next week. We're gonna come back with a Jackie Brown, Jackie Brown, Quentin Tarantino movie. So we will have plenty to chew on as far as uh, misogyny and uh, other. <laughs> Other delights. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Quentin, Quentin Tarantino. It's it's full of feet and racial slurs. Yep. Well, I already I, I re- started rewatching it. The first thing I saw was like a close up of feet. I was like, God dang, it's true. It is true. Uh, by the way, <laughs> by the way, Kalei, I just named your podcast. You're welcome. A misogyny and other delights. Uh, you are welcome. Misogyny wel- and other delights. You're- I actually really like it, Mario. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> you can just watch horrible movies. Uh, yeah, uh, that's your that's your title. Let's take a quick break because I think uh, Kalei has to break for a minute, and then we will. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And then we will be right back after this. Welcome back to the podcast. Kalei is actually uh, on a on an interview with the with, on the phone, so she may or may not join us. We're going to be back for we're going to we just came back to do a little quick chat about uh, the Mandalorian episode. What is it? Episode, episode five? Four? Oh yeah, we're we're I watched five this week. Last week's episode was called the Foundling. The Foundling. It was a short one. It was a short one. It was like 30, 30 minutes. Right? Was it short? I think. Right around 30s, like 30-some minutes, I think. All right. Break it down for us, Jake. What happened? Um, we kind of we kind of get a nice little bit with Grogu. Um, it shows more about the um about the relationship between the Mandalorians on their egg on their new or like their new base. Right. Right. Um the foundling gets kidnapped by a giant by a giant flying monster. This is there's a lot of kaiju this season. A lot of kaiju. I'm okay with it. I love these. The design of these, uh, the monsters. It's like a bat. It's like this weird bat 
dragging looking lizard thing. Right. Almost like a wyvern, but, uh, yeah, but more lizardy. Little more lizardy, but it had like little, it had like, like an extra set of nostril. I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool. And then, um, we get some interesting backstory with Grogu. Yeah. You get to see, and, and, a, and a cameo by Jar Jar Binks himself, Ahmed Best. Yeah. I was not, I was surprised. <laughs> he got to do, he got to dual wield some lightsabers. Mm. Um, uh, we also got to see a little bit of what happened in the aftermath of uh, Order sixty six. Yeah, how that was going on. Uh, uh, what what was going on simultaneously with a lot of people. Uh, you know, different stuff happening all over the galaxy. Obviously, you know, Jedi are being slaughtered uh, all simultaneously. But uh, yeah, you got to see one Jedi uh, protect Grogu. So he was in the temple. He was one of the uh, he was one of the younglings that didn't get killed by Anakin. Uh, so, <laughs> so we're thankful now, for that. Who, who were the, who were the soldiers that the Jedi had, that he brought Grogu to? Is that Naboo? Is that they look like Naboo? soldiers from Naboo. Yeah. They look yeah. like soldiers from Naboo. So maybe, uh, maybe Amidala, Am- Amidala's people had a hand in rescuing Grogu or that's where he went maybe. for a little while. I mean, I guess that's left a little bit more into interpretation, but. Um, super cute. How, what the lead, uh, the leader of the Mandalores, uh, Mandalorians, what's her name? Uh, oh, the armor. Uh, yeah. I don't know her name. I don't, I don't know her name. I just know her as the armorer. Yeah. She made like Grogu <laughs> medallion. It's like little, his entire chest. His little chest. His little scrap here to pass down to you. And it's like, it's like a flavor flavor and like <laughs> he's wearing like a little Grogu. Yeah. Like a little flavor flake clock. He's give got him the- another, give him like another month and he's going to be like completely covered in head to toe and like oversized, oversized I, hammy. I want to see his little ear sticking out of a Mandalorian helmet. That's what I want to that's, see. I, that's what I thought that she was making. I was so excited to see him in like a little helmet. Right. It's like, oh, he can't speak yet. He can't speak the creed. I'm like, come on, just give it to him. Give yeah, him the he's helmet. 50 years old, for God's sake. He's give, 50 years old. Give, give the man a helmet. Give him the mask. Give him the mask. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but they actually go into a little bit of something interesting about the masks. This um, In the, the latest episode, I actually, I actually cheated and watched this one already. So, but um, I didn't cheat, but I was, I was like, oh, yeah, because I'm always up when it drops and I forget. And I was like, I'll watch it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping that's the last little bit of kaiju for a while because we've already seen, like, two big kaiju battles. But what we I... Have, but we've I, seen three kaijus in, these, in this season so far. And we're only on episode, what, five, four? There's a theory going on online, around online, that the reason that they think um, they're doing so much with kaiju is because Grogu will tame the mythosaur this sometime he'll run, you know, they're going to run into the mythosaur and then he'll be able to use the force like he did with the rancor and he'll be like, Oh, maybe. And he'll be elevated. He's going to be, he's going to be the new leader. Yeah. That'd be great. (laughs) The little kid, (laughs) little baby Grogu gets to be the the leader of the, the, (laughs) with his little teeth. Those little teeth. He's he's eating his little, he's eating his little third, whatever the fuck, whatever little snacks he's got. Right. Those little crabs. Right. 
Um, and then, um, interesting, uh, interesting bit of, um, character development with Bo-Katan though. Right. Right. Uh, they're really, totally, I like that totally they're accepted her back in. It's great. I, I like that they're ex- accepting her and that, that, that she's becoming a bigger part of, um, of the show from the cartoon. They're expanding her role from the cartoon, which I think is great. I like the character. Um, I like uh, uh, her portrayal of it, of that character. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Battlestar Galactica, so anytime we get more Starbuck, it's good. But it's also good to see her in uh, the Mandalorian battle armor and doing uh, Mandalorian things. And her ship is kind of badass. All the Mandalorians, That's a sweet ship. yeah, all the Mandalorians kind of have uh, cool ships. Um, is that a prerequisite to being like to being like a fully fledged Mandalorian? Is you got to have a sweet ship, right? Yeah, I guess uh, you know it's it's funny because they're like cars in in our universe, right? It's like uh, mm-hmm. everybody's got a cool car. The you know the the hero, everybody drives a cool. I like his. I like the Mandalorian's new ship. I think I know a lot of people were upset that. It oh was yeah, a, the refitted uh, the refitted Naboo fighter. Yeah, things badass. Yeah. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, it's like he's like he's got he's got that sweet custom aftermarket ride, man. Right. Yeah. Come on, he's got to have. He's yeah, he's great. What's your favorite? Like, what's your favorite of like the uh, of all of like the bounty hunter uh, bounty hunter ships? Uh, I think right now the one we're looking. You know who has a really bad? Did you watch Andor? Uh, no, I didn't watch him. Uh, he, he's not a bounty hunter, but one of the characters on there has a ship that is bad ass. <laughs> I won't say who. Uh, but no, I really liked the, the N1. I really I, I really like it right now. Uh, uh, Luthen Rails? Yes, yes. I see a picture of it right now. So it's got, nice. it's basically got lightsabers mounted on the wings, like giant oh. lightsabers. So <laughs> it can just like oh, cut through. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty badass. That's very, that's very much like an eight-year-old. Right. Like, making, right. Like, making their little, <laughs> like, yeah, and look at my cool, my cool ship's got little lightsabers on the end of it. Right. Hell so yeah. Goes, you know. Yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> That is a good ship. Yeah. Uh, no, I like the N one man. It's it's cool. Um, I like that they is that, come, what his, is that what his ship's called? The I N1? think they call it the N one. Yeah, I think it's called the N one. I like that it's, it. It looks like an old Corvette or something. You know, it looks like a hot rod, but it's you know, obviously not great for long distance space travel. But they do that in X wings all the time on the show, so it's not like it's you know, it's not like it's going to break break the show. Um, it is, yeah, it is called the N one. I, th- you know, I think it's pretty sweet. It's like you know, yeah, it's not let- meant for like long, like super like long treks and stuff. But I mean, Grogu's comfy. He's got his little, he's got his little capsule where he can take a nap or do whatever in, and he ends up sitting on, uh, he ends up sitting on his lap anyway. So I think it's solid. How are you feeling about Grogu in this season? I'm trying overall? to read up this. I'm trying to read up on something that I, I, I'm not sure if I can spoil it or not, so I won't say anything. Um, I love it. I, I, you know, this season has been more fun. Um, I think some people have had a problem with it. Uh, look, it's just a show about a guy who. What has their problem been? I think it? that I, from what I've read, a lot of people want a little 
bit more focus on what this season is going to be about. And I think the season, as you as we've gone on, the season's really about Mandalore. I think it's about all the Mandalorians, not just him and the kid this time. Uh, and it's, you know, I think it's kind of taken a little bit to see where it's going, but these last two episodes really kind of show you. Like, this, mm-hmm. the next one will really kind of solidify where things are going. Um, but I mean, just uh, with what it's been now, it's been them, uh, it's been about Din, Din Djarin, like, trying to reacclimate to the Mandalorians after being exiled. And, right. And then by extension, it brings Bo-Katan in because she also kind of, she also helps um, take him to the the living waters. So right. It's been, it's like this revival of the Mandalorians as a, as a people. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and I kind of like that. I kind of like them reestablishing them, their, their, their place because, you know, their planet's been bombed and, and uh, wiped out and I want to see where they go. And, and also the great thing about these shows is that you can show what's going on. Obviously a couple of episodes we see, uh, you know, how the empire was able to re re regenerate and reform into the new order that we see in the Disney trilogy. You know, we saw how the, you know, there's still elements of the empire that are still alive and that deprogramming is, is hard. Right. Um, so you kind of get to see where everybody's going to be for set up for the next, you know, where things will be happening during the next trilogy, you know, and yeah. will the Mandalor- will the Mandalorians fight the new order? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I thought episode three was great, but they were showing it was the X, um, like the X, uh, Imperial scientist. Right. Right. Who's trying to like reacclimate into it. And, and you, you kind of get to, because you see, Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say you get to see the cloning technology that the New Order uses, and uh, I think they're trying to make the um, Emperor Palpatine's uh, reappearance in Rise of the Sky, uh, Rise of or was it Rise of Skywalker? They're trying to mm-hmm. trying to retcon that to make it a little less silly, I think, and that's why you have that whole thing with the cloning technology. Yeah, to make it that makes sense. You know what I mean? Make it fit into a bigger, bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. But it shows that you know, every, every it's still a rough spot in the in the galaxy's uh, political uh, political landscape right now. There are people who still have huge um, vendettas against people who were in the empire. It was that uh, that cop who was like playing double agent in right. the uh, rehabilitation uh, center? Right. Yeah, uh, you see that the that that leading. Just because they won the New Republic, it, it, it doesn't mean that everything just falls into place. They have to work for it. Obviously, there's a huge bureaucracy that that needs to be in place to run the empire, which is how the how the empire fell. Right? You know, you you know, it was too big for its own good, and now the New Republic comes in and tries to take over. And then what happens to all the worlds that just are kind of um, they weren't necessarily you know the empire was there, but it wasn't necessarily um, they could kind of go on about their business, and now there's no, you know, because the empire. It's 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 you know it's like kind of it's a metaphor for colonialism, right? There's these far flung part of there's far flung part of the empire that where they were exploiting the planet for you know whatever they needed, right? Fuel, whatever. But they're also bring and they're bringing kind of oppression to those peoples. But then once those people are once the empire is out of place, what happens? Someone fills into 
fill that power vacuum, right? Whether it's pirates or like some kind of local dictator or a warlord or something. So now you're trying to put all those fires out, you know? Um, So I've really been impressed with the way they kind of handle, they've they've handled those elements this season. We've seen a little bit more about what's going on in the, in the, in the, in the universe, in the galaxy, which I kind of like too. I kind of like that. And you see a little bit of that because different planets he goes to are run by different, right? There's like X empire or whatever, or, you know, these other warlords and stuff that kind of step in to fill in the gaps. Yeah. It was that one. I forget the name. Isn't the second episode where he was trying to get a new droid, uh, where he was trying to get the assassin droid to come with him to Mandalore. Right. Because that whole town was completely reformed after he eliminated the eliminated the pirate threat. Right, 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 right. Exactly. Uh, what's his name? Grief Cargo, his his old buddy. Yeah, and that's what I. That's what I, I. I like all this stuff way more than. Not to say that I don't like you know the Skywalker saga and all that, but it's that's very, very one dimensional. It's it's a big and galaxy, it, and so why not explore more aspects of it? Yeah. You know, and, and so, you, yeah, good triumphs over evil is the story of the Skywalker saga, but right, yeah, it's not the, that's not the way the rest of the galaxy works. That's not right. the way the rest of the world works. Well, and you see from the and you see from the Disney trilogy, you know, as as, many, as much as many problems as that trilogy has, they one thing they did tackle was that the idea that the New Republic kind of did lose it because obviously, you know, the the New Order was able to take. Or was it the first order? Is that what it's called? The first order. I think the first order. What? Oh, I think uh, Kali's back. Kali, can you can you hear us? She said something about the job. Did you hear that? Or was that just me? Hello. <laughs> okay. Maybe she'll be back. Anyway. But yeah, great. Great so far. I think people need to relax. Just enjoy it. It's okay. It's okay that it's it's okay that it's not fulfilling every bit of uh, fan fiction that you have uh, planned in your head. Yeah, um, <laughs> not to be not to be an ass. Right. A lot of people get mad because it's uh, <laughs> it wasn't what they predicted. Yeah, um, it's okay that it's not what you predicted. It's right. still you gotta like. It's, it's still, okay to it's, be surprised sometimes. Yeah, and it's okay to not like it either. But you know, it's. You don't it's have to. Still still. I want this to be because I don't think Kalai knows she's not muted. <laughs> I, I did it. I did it for her. Oh, did you? Good, you go. good, good, yeah, good. Yeah, I can mute. yeah. We don't want to listen to her conversation. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think, especially, I feel like Star Wars. I feel like Star Wars fans, especially get so caught up or yeah star wars and marvel fans get so caught up in like every tiny little detail having to be absolutely perfect and it's at the end of the day this is entertainment just like just sit back and relax and did you enjoy it did you have a good time well then great the end of the day that's what we want that's what you want out of a movie or a TV show. It's like you just have a good time. It doesn't always have to like. Right. It doesn't have to line up. Reference. It doesn't have to reference uh, a two sentence paragraph in like one of the two hundred other Star Wars like, omnibuses or. Yeah, I've been. You know, The Mandalorian is a fun show. Um, if you want something deeper, watch uh, Andor. If you're looking for more yeah. adult Star Wars, uh, that's definitely what you want to go for. But you know what? 
if you just want to have fun every week and it's not going to be, you know, yeah, it's going to be, um, I mean, it's aimed at like older kids too. Like old, they want older kids obviously to buy these toys and buy your, buy your Nerf blaster. Oh, there's Calais. She's back. Hey, everybody, I'm back. Hey, we heard you a little bit. We had to mute you because we heard you say something. We heard you say these. It was exactly like this. Something, something job. I heard that. Yeah. So she's super. Oh, my gosh. You guys. It was a great interview. They're super cute. They love musical theater. Um, oh, God. So- you'll be swell. You'll be great. Gonna have the whole world on a plate. There you go. We were coming up with parodies to different Disney songs. It was really cute. Oh my god! <laughs> I feel like you're hired. So you got. So you got, so you the, got job. the job. I hope I got the job. I sent them my child development resume and my references, and I asked if before moving forward we could do a shadow day, and so we're going to set that up for next week. How old is this kid? How old of a kid is this? Uh, two and a half and one. Okay, listen, these kids know you, you're not available Wednesdays because it's podcast day, right? Do they know that? They do know. I'm just Don't kidding. You worry. I'm just kidding. Uh <laughs> you, you need to make money, but uh yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with the uh good luck with the nannying. I think you'd be a great nanny. You'd be like a Mary Poppins. You just Thank you. you I would- love nannying. I go back to it always. It's something I've I've been doing since I was like thirteen. You yeah, you feel like I feel like you're a natural. I feel like you that's your that's your knit. You just come in with an oversized coat and an umbrella and you've got pigeons in there. And then I do my last (laughs) nanny kid. I would make her a different colored balloon dog every day to match what pup day it was. And we based the pup day off the Paw Patrol characters. And then her and I would both wear those colors that day. Oh my God. What a fun. Nene. Nene. So I totally just bombarded your Mandalorian conversation. So sorry, gentlemen. No, it's fine. We were, we were just about wrapping it up. We were just saying like what you like, don't get mad when it doesn't fit in with your, I've got fan theories and then it doesn't fit in. So you get mad at the, with your personal narrative of what Star Wars should be. Right. Right. Star Wars fan base, very toxic. Here's why I'm going to give you guys my people say, why is the fan base so toxic? Star Wars fan base is the most toxic. Well, let me tell you back, Going back to 77. 77. Listen, I saw this in theaters. Um, I saw it was the first movie I ever saw in a theater. Clay, I've told this story many times on the podcast, but you're new to the show. Yeah, it was the very first movie. <laughs> My old man took me to see it. I can I relive that day. I can I can tell you every moment of that day. It's burned in my brain. Uh growing up, though. You know, nerd culture hadn't quite taken off, and there were certain things that were very nerdy. Like Dun- Dungeons and Dragons would have been on the very nerdy spectrum that would have been like the you know if we're you know if we're doing a number line that's at zero right of the that movie the, comes out on friday by the way uh yeah the cast from freaks and geeks reunited to uh do a scene there to uh it's really funny um and then the thing about you know and then you know your less nerdy stuff you know is like you know sports is over here on the on the far side of the number line right well the <laughs> thing is People that because Star Wars hit when a whole generation was kids, um, and nerdy stuff wasn't nerdy stuff really yet. It couldn't there. I mean, there were things like comic books, obviously, things like that. But Star Wars hit and everybody liked Star Wars. The jocks liked it. The 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 you know, everybody liked it. It wasn't just the nerdy kids. Everybody loved Star Wars. And we all grew up with it. So as we became older and things more and more nerdy things started to happen, like they started making Star Trek movies and there were stuff that stuff that had kind of been niche, it became more mainstream. Um, 
the people that embrace Star Wars didn't necessarily embrace those other things. But the Star Wars fan base has always been a mix of your high school stereotypes, your jocks, your burnouts, your dweebs, whatever, you know. So the geeks, the motorheads, the motorheads. Just yeah, I was doing. They I was trying think, to do. They all think he's a swell. They all think Star Wars is swell. They think it's a righteous movie. So that's the problem. That's the problem with the Star Wars fan base. You get people that aren't necessarily appreciative of nerd of nerd culture, and I think they are more. They are much more apt to poop on. So uh, that being said, too, you also mm. get a lot of people from all over the political spectrum. That's why you get a lot of conservatives who who misidentify themselves as the rebellion. It's like, dude, you guys are the empire if there ever was one, but they don't <laughs> they don't grasp the subtleties, right? And so that's why, you know, so many people can take attach with meaning to Star Wars is because it, it appealed to and I think it's because what we talked about it's sci-fi and fantasy and a lot of different stuff and it's you know there's a you know if if you're not a geek you can identify with Han Solo. Like Han Solo's a cool guy. He drives a cool car. I want to be that guy, you know? Or you know, so I think it appeals to the widest spectrum. And mm-hmm. so that's why I think you get so many people who are just absolute dickhead Star Wars fans. Um, you know, because it appeals to everybody. And and of course people want ownership of it. It's like, Hey, I saw this movie when I was five years old, you know, don't change it. Why is this happening? Why are there people of color in my star Wars now? You know, you know, not to take this a completely different direction, but you but will. I'm just kidding. You, just kidding. <laughs> but I will. Absolutely. Hearing you unpack the way Star Wars is able to appeal to so many people in this context of labels that we do give ourselves for social identification, especially in adolescence, makes me wonder why Star Wars isn't more ingrained in the Disney education program, especially because it would be so profitable and it would be such an, a one, it would market itself to schools. I think it's and, because Disney, you know, the, the, the acquisition of Lucasfilm is relatively late and Disney mm. has yet to put their stamp on it in a permanent way. I think the closest we've seen now is Mandalorian and Grogu, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't think the characters from the Disney trilogy took off in the way they hoped because they weren't clearly identified. You know, obviously mm-hmm. they were they were character types like, you know, Cam uh not Cam Dameron Poe was supposed to be the Han Solo character, but he never really mm-hmm. had much to do, right? And he didn't have right. any kind of relationship with Rey, they were always separated. So there's really not a lot you know, they, they weren't able to uh, strongly, and the, the characters people mostly strongly identified with were the characters from the previous trilogy, right? Um, yeah. I don't think Ray, it's funny, I think Ray hit, especially with younger girls, I think Ray really hit. Um, there was some resonance there. Um, a lot of people loved the characters from Rogue One, but I think the Mandalorian has been like, has been able to transcend like Baby Yoda, right? Before he was Grogu, was everywhere. So I think the Mandalorian has been the first time they've been able to kind of put their own stamp on it and make it a success. So I think that has might have something to do with it. Uh, and as far as the hands-on aspect of it, to piggyback off of like why it might be taking a while, Star Wars Land was just developed in the timeline, if you really think about it. Um, and a lot of their on-site education programs have to do with moving throughout the park and working with the Imagineer concepts that founded it, as well as like leadership, um, leadership characteristics that are important to make that sort of thing feasible. Right. And Star Wars did open realistically, like what it's been open two, three years. Right. Yeah. I think three years. That's not Well, four, I think it was, 
Yeah, it was right before COVID. So for the park timeline and for a Disney timeline, maybe that's a long time, but their education program does like whether it's the college Disney program or the undergrad or not the undergrad, but the high school and below level outreaches seem to move a little bit slower. Also, I think it's because they, Disney wants you to buy into what Disney's created, right? Disney, mm-hmm. Disney bought Star Wars. It was already, it already existed. It, you know, it was already its own cottage industry and then Disney acquired it just like Marvel. You know, right. Marvel was huge, right? And then Disney acquired it, right? That was that was massive. That was a shakeup because Marvel was just like this big, you know, it, it was like somebody buying, like if somebody just bought Apple, right? Mm-hmm. Marvel and DC were the Apple and Android of, of the comic book world, comic right? Books. Yeah. So, you know, it ended up being a boon for Marvel because now you didn't have to sell your characters off to different studios to get money, right? Now it's like it's all under one umbrella. Um. And yeah, I think that's part of it. But I think part of the reason is that Disney wants you to buy into the stuff that Disney built from the ground up. You know, here are these, right. here's a huge stable of characters going back to the 1930s that we, and there are, I mean, of course they acquired properties, you know, Winnie the Pooh, uh, you know, Robin Hood, all those, but for the most part, they were able to, to Disney's so ingrained in some of those that you don't even think of things like Snow White and Cinderella as fairy tales anymore. You think of them as Disney characters, right? You don't think that there was there was a written story before, right? It was a story of Cinderella. Mm-hmm. And even to your point with like Winnie the Pooh and Mary Poppins, these are things that yes, they acqui- like they acquired, but in their acquisition, they were able to completely rebrand them. Like when you think Mary Poppins, most people don't think the book. Right. Most people do think of the Disney film. And when you think Winnie the Pooh, while you might think of the old books, you associate them with the Disney logo. Sure. Right. Right. Exactly. So they were able to just, Disney has done that very well over the years. And so I think that's where their, that's where their uh, priority lies. They want you to, they want these people to be steeped in Disney. And then I think that I feel like the, the Disney and uh, the Star Wars and Marvel, that's much more corporate. Right mm-hmm. on a corporate yeah, level, you're looking. I don't think they're ever gonna be. They, I don't think they'll like, ever fully. Disney em- did like fully integrated into Disney's umbrella. Right, they're always gonna be their own separate thing. It's right, they're too. They've been established for way too long to. And, and a lot of it has to do with you know, a lot of it's like uh, like Indiana Jones. You would think they they bought Lucasfilm. Indiana Jones is part of that, right? But just you know, Paramount owns the first four movies, so it turns into a whole thing. Like, how much do we want to invest in this so we don't have to pay off Paramount because they own the rights and you know, it's a big thing. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the only thing I can think of is the ride. Is there other media that's Indiana Jones or I don't, I'm wondering to see how the new movie is going to be. If Disney has a hand, I don't know if Disney produced that or if it was paramount. I don't know how that works out. Possibly they just own the likeness, but studio responsibility for everything is still right. Paramount. Maybe, maybe, uh, yeah, because they, they had to like le- they did the same with Star Wars. They they leased the likenesses from George Lucas, right? Before mm-hmm. because Star Tours was in the park in '87, and and Lucasfilm was still a uh, Lucasfilm was still an independent studio at that point. So mm-hmm. I'm getting a humming. Indiana right? Jones and the Dial of Destiny, right? That I'm not I'm not sold. Indiana Jones and the uh, horrible digital de aging is what it should be called. In the dial. No, I'm still hung up on the dial of destiny. Yeah, man. Doesn't that sound cool? It's a sundial. Is it? The, 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 I don't know. It's. I'm sorry. 
Last Crusade, like <laughs> Temple of Doom, Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's no of the Lost that's such a Ark. great that's such a great title. It's a very evocative title. Mm-hmm. The Dial of Destiny. Well, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal sounds Skull. Sounds like a tenacious D. This sounds like a tenacious D album. That's a terrible name. It sounds like a parody. But I'll still like see it because I'm a man crush on Harrison Ford. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> Why would you be ashamed of being uh, of being love struck by? Obviously, uh, we already saw he's sweethearts. He's the greatest. Everyone- pre- what were you gonna say? <laughs> Everyone loves Harrison. Hey, look, he was our greatest president we've ever had. You saw Air Force One. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Shrinking on uh, Apple TV, uh, uh, Kalei, but he's great in that. One, I think you recommended that one. To it's me. really funny. It's re- really, really good. It just finished, so you can watch the whole thing at once. You can. Oh, it's a show? Yeah, it's a show. Makes me want to watch it more. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Jason Siegel. Very funny. Very funny. I enjoyed it. It's kind of a feel good, just a little feel good thirty minutes. Like, okay. I'm going to tune in. For I love Jason Siegel. Yeah. How I Met Your Mother was my favorite for years. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He's great in it. He's really good in it. Um, no, it's it, there's there's some drama and there's some there's some sad moments because obviously you're dealing with someone. He's trying to reconnect with his daughter after the death of of his wife and her mom, um, and so you know he's just been a mess for a year, and now he's decided to come out of it and try. To, and uh, Harrison Ford plays his mentor. And uh, he gets a lot of really good, at first you think, oh, well, maybe they just kind of wrote around Harrison Ford and he just gets to be Harrison Ford. And at first it seems it's going to be that way. And then you realize he's really like doing some, some he's doing some acting and doing some funny stuff too. So it, it's, a, it's a chance for him to do some stuff and kind of stuff you've never seen. Just be a regular person, not be Indiana Jones, not be Han Solo, but just be this. And he's cantankerous, of course, which is what he does best, but... You know, it's in a lovable, and he he has reasons for it. There's reasons he's you know he's that way. So it's very it's very well written show. I like it. I'm excited. It sounds really sweet, and I like I like any show that centers a mentor mentee storyline mm-hmm. because I think that's one of the only digestible levels of like intimate relation that doesn't go to being romantic or blood that is digestible for people. Right. Right. Before they're like, that's overstepping or they're too close or. Right. 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 Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. And, uh, you know, you get to see, uh, the, the, the supporting cast is all really good. It's a really good ensemble. It's one of those shows where like everybody in the show is good and they do a good job and they, you know, you're dealing with like five or six different main characters. So, well, not main character, but five or six different side characters that are all pretty integral to the plot. So, yeah, I loved it. I really thought it was great. Thought it was good. Good. Yeah, it just finished. Just wrapped up last week. I okay. give the whole. I give the first season about an eight. Well, okay. How does that land compared to the Good Place? Uh, oh, different show. Uh, good Place probably will go down as one of my favorite shows of all time if I watch it again. Um, That's why I asked because I know it's like one of your faves. Uh, I love it. It's just because it was so, it's like they're teaching philosophy to people. They're really, they're mm-hmm. literally sneaking philosophy into like a primetime TV show. Um, but I also love Ted Danson and I thought he was great on that show. Uh, and I thought it was just a silly, I love it when a show just decides to be silly when they just mm-hmm. go with a weird premise and they just, they're all in. I love that. Yes. I, I, I the points for that. And, uh, uh, you know, Kristen Bell, I've, I've always loved Kristen Bell. Um, I've, you know, she's always good in everything since like Veronica Mars and, and 
I loved her in everything that she's ever been in, but she was so good at being the trashy part of that character uh, that it was just like, I was like, wow, she really has like, I have a new respect for Kristen Bell because of that, the way she played that character. Yeah, uh, absolutely. My first, uh, my first introduction to her and like really knowing who she was, was frozen as princess. Oh, Mom. right. Okay. And then watching the good place. Like those were my two first interactions with her. And I was like, I love her. Right. Who is this woman? Right. Like, right. And now I just absolutely love watching her interviews with her husband. I think they give such great insight on, you know, what it is to live in a house where someone has struggled with addiction. It right. It just adds so much texture and right. And they really, they have a good relationship. They do. They love each other and they love their kids and they're honest. You know, they're honest about when things are hard and, uh, um, they're both really good. He, uh, Dak Shepard has a podcast, but, um, Kristen Bell is actually, they're friends with Conan O'Brien and his family. And if you ever listen to Conan O'Brien needs a friend, uh, he has a great episode where he has Kristen Bell on and, uh, it's really, really good. You'll, you'll, uh, you'll love it. Cause she's, I just love that their family's associated with Disney. Right. They're, they're good. Uh, she's fun. She's a lot of fun. Um, to this day, I quote, uh, the good place all the time because of, uh, of Jason from Jacksonville. Um, when he talks about Blake Bortles and he goes, Bortles, we do that all the time. My friend and I do that all the time. Uh, but it's a great show. Yeah. Uh, Shrinking's a it's a different animal. It's it, it's a lot like Ted Lasso, where it's a lot of feel good. Um, it, it's much more of a of a I don't want to say adult. It's less slapsticky. It's more grounded in reality, but it's you know it's fun. It's it's fun, and there's some really fun lines. Like there's a whole subplot where um, Harrison Ford's character doesn't understand what raw dogging is. And so uh, he thinks it means you, you, he thinks it means you're like ambushing somebody. Like, you know, you just like, when you have something to say, like if I was really mad at you and I just brought it up in front of people, he just thinks that that's raw dogging. He's like, how dare you raw dog me out here in public? (laughs) It's really funny because it keeps coming. (laughs) It's just, it's just, it's just stuff like that. Or there's a scene where he discovers like, um, uh, one of the younger characters on the show introduces him to fun dip and he's just fascinated by it. And you're just like, this is great. Like, like Harrison Ford being fascinated by fun dip. Like, like, you mean I eat the stick? Yeah. Eat the stick. (laughs) You know, it's just one of those kind of shows where you're just like, there's like funny little moments. They find these little moments that are true to the character and still make it funny. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. Good places up there in my, in my all time list. Uh, it's hard to pick a favorite TV show though, but yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to watch shrinking. I'm excited. Yeah. I give, there's a lot of therapy. There's a lot of stuff with the therapy and the, and the, you know, they don't well, get, we all know how I feel about therapy. They don't get too into it, but that's his job. He's a therapist. And so, yeah, he's, he's oh, that's so fun. And Harrison Ford is like in charge of the firm. Like it's his, it's his practice. Yeah. So, you know, Ooh. and it's funny cause you'd see therapists like dealing with one another outside of, and they're just as they're just as broken as everybody else, you know. So I'm so excited to watch the dynamic. Yeah, let me know when you get to watch it. Let me know. I'm really curious to see what you think of it. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's Will just a, it's a fun show. Uh, Jacob, I love you. Do you have any uh, recommendations for us, Jacob? Well, in our last minute here, um, not currently. I've just been plugging away at Mandalorian movies. 
and you've been oh, watching. Uh, I got nothing. You got you watch breakdown. That's okay. I'm I glad you guys. Breakdown. I'm I'm glad you liked. Um, I'm glad you guys liked breakdown. I was really uh, hoping. Uh, it was a movie I had kind of forgotten about. I had seen it. I was really struck by it. I had kind of forgotten about it, and it popped up on sale, and it was like five bucks. And I was like, "Yeah, I'll watch this." And I was like, "I was I'm glad I invested the five bucks." Yeah, I was surprised. <sighs> it's a good movie night film, you right? Know? If, if someone's long, right. everyone will enjoy it. Right. It's it's not gonna win. It didn't win. It's not gonna win any awards, but at the same time, it's like it's the perfect movie to as a demonstration of like economy of style. Um, how to make a pretty, you know, a really solid little, and back in like the forties and fifties, they used to crank movies like this out all the time. Right. They used to just do these little thrillers all the time. And they, you know, there's, they made so many of them that eventually you just lose track and only the ones that are, you know, standouts kind of, but uh, it's a reminder. Sometimes there's those little movies that just kind of fall through the cracks where you're like, Hey, that's a great movie. And I had never heard of it. So I'm glad you guys liked it. Uh, so that's going to be it for this week. Thank you. Kalei. Thank you for Jake. Thank you for Jake is what I, I don't know why I said that. Thank you, Jake. As always, carrying the heavy lifting, the heavy lifting, Jake, when Patrick takes a day off. I'm surprised you didn't slam him today. I'm really. He didn't come up. It's fine. It's okay. He's a good egg. You're just saving it. Yeah, I, I, if I do, he'll, he's not here. He'll like kicking a horse when he's down, you know. He'll do I it next pick week. him back up before I kick him back down. Really. He'll do it next week when he shows up. He'll do exactly. It. All right, you guys. Uh, so for Jake, for Clay, uh, we will say this transmission ends now. John surgery is this week, everybody. So keep him in your thoughts. Uh, send out some good vibes, and, uh, and we will see him hopefully on his feet very soon. So until next time, this transmission ends now. Fight the power. <laughs>